Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and right now I am going to read to you from the biography, from the file card of Tendril, one of the ultimate enemies from the Inhumanoids. Name, Tendril. Place of origin, the Earth's Mantle. Arch enemy, the Redwoods. Height, 38 feet. Weight, 104,192 pounds. Density, 124.8 pounds per foot. The cruelest of the Inhumanoids, Tendril is an unintelligent, inarticulate ravager who destroys everything in his path. His powerful green tentacles can crush any of the granites. When one of Tendril's tentacles is cut off, it regenerates into a new creature. Entire bands of these monsters can be made from the limbs of a single Tendril, making him nearly invulnerable in battle. Augur describes him as an overgrown octopus with bad manners. Yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. And you know why it's fantastic? Because Ryan from Toy Isle Customs brought me a tendril at Joe Lanta and the Great Atlanta Toy Convention, which was this past weekend and which you will be listening Later on in the podcast, to the panel that I hosted there, another installment of Needless Things Toy Stories. So, here's what went down. Last time on the podcast, I was talking about Joe Lanta. I mentioned Tendril as one of my holy grails, and as the thing that I was looking for at Joe Lanta, the, the top of the list that I made. So, I get this message from Ryan saying, hey man, guess what I'm bringing to Joe Lanta? Picture of Tendril. Picture of a beautiful Tendril. Not just uh, Tendril, but intact teeth, light-up teeth things. Very clean. Looks great. Wow. What do you want for it? We got to talking. We worked a little something out. I traded him some Masters of the Universe classics that I'm, I'm clearing some of those out. Not all of them by any means. I'm not even most of them. But there are a few figures here and there that I've realized I don't really need. So we worked out a trade, and my first Joe Lanta acquisition is complete before the show even starts, and I haven't spent a dime. That, my friends, is good times right there. So Joe Lanta went down there Saturday with my son. It was his his day to do stuff, our our day together, because my wife is involved in a wedding. So, uh, some some very very dear friends of ours are getting married later this year. My wife is involved in the wedding things that are going on. Uh, we're all involved in the wedding, but you know the the lady stuff tends to be a little more labor intensive than the dude stuff. So she was occupied all day long. So it's just me and Phantom Junior. Going down to Jolanta to look at toys and have fun. Uh, he earned some money by absolutely setting fire to some flashcards uh, the previous day. So he had his own fundage. He was very responsible. Didn't even spend all of his money down there. We we had a blast just walking around, looking at toys, hanging out together. And then Sunday went down and uh, we... we I didn't go back down Saturday night like I normally would for the radio cult show and the, and the parachute drop and everything because we were just having a great time. I was having a great time hanging out with my son. We got back to the house. Uh, we had a little food. We kind of we cocooned. We nested. We watched some movies and, and just hung out. So we did not make it back down. But Sunday went back down because it was panel time. And I'll tell you guys this right now, and anybody that was at Jolanta listening, uh, it, it is an absolutely fun time, but it is time for me, uh, it's, it's, this is how it goes. I need to do more things where I speak in front of people who do not know me and who don't necessarily have an interest in what I do. 
because I need that kind of reaction. I need to learn how to draw those people in to what I do. And that is exactly what Jolanta is. It's a fantastic toy show, but a lot of the patrons, especially the people that are down there for the long haul, are one-sixth scale G.I. Joe fans. That's their thing, and that's not my thing. So I I need, and I'm not saying I, I necessarily need to get in front of classic toy fans, but I need more audiences that don't already know me, that that I have to win over, because it's a skill that I, I need to work on. I'm not going to say I don't have it, because the panel ended up going great, we got a lot of laughs, but it, it was definitely not my normal, comfortable element of a wrestling ring, or Dragon Con, or whatever. It's something different, and I need more of that. I totally need more of that. So, before the panel happened, uh, I was running late just because... You know, family stuff. It's hard to get out of the house sometimes and getting everything together. I actually had all my gear together long before it was time to leave, but then just a couple of things happened. So, excuse me, had a little swig of water there for the working man, as Old Stone Cold says. I am recording this on 316, uh, which is Stone Cold Appreciation Day in the middle of of March of 2016, which is Stone Cold Appreciation Month. So, swig of water for old Stone Cold. Uh, but anyway, back to my story. Uh, it, it was, I didn't get down there as soon as I wanted. It was a little rough. I ran around and wanted to talk to people, but I had to get to the panel. Honestly, I should have gotten down there a lot earlier, but I haven't worn the mask and the get up and everything in a while. And it just, getting back into that is a commitment. And, and I just wasn't on point. And if I'd gone down there Saturday night, I probably would have been. But family takes precedent, for sure. So then the panel started, and then something happened there that kind of threw me off my game a little bit. And, and I stumbled uh, through my story a little. Which, listening back, it's fine. I'm, I'm actually quite happy with how it turned out. Except for one thing. Throughout my story, which involved Boglins... I referred to Timothy Clark, who was a guest on the Needless Things podcast. You should go back and listen to that episode because it's freaking fantastic. Uh, Timothy Clark, who designed the Boglins, who designed Sectars, who worked on many Jim Henson productions and is a fantastic man. I said Timothy Price, who is an entirely different fantastic man, who is an incredible musician, part of the Possum Kingdom Ramblers, has a book called Big in Japan, is working on Big in Japan too. So you should Google Timothy Clark, check him out, look at his work, listen to his episode of the Needless Things podcast, and also Google Timothy Price, a talented fingerstyle guitarist, can can play uh, other instruments besides, fantastic creative genius, super, super eight movies he ignited my love for them Uh, I've, i've talked about him on the show our scheduling has not worked out yet to have him on the show but it's gonna happen but anyway three times thrice during my story i referred to timothy clark as timothy price just because timothy price is very closely tied to joe lanta and it was just kind of on my mind because he's not down there he he moved away from atlanta so he was not there this year so anyway i have gone in and through the magic of modern technology and audio effects and looping sequencers and digital wang doodles, I have managed to correct my name misappropriation. I hope that it isn't too noticeable. I wanted to tell you guys about it just in case you heard it and were like, oh, that's weird. Why did that sound a little... Uh, it's it's very subtle, and you probably wouldn't even have caught it if I hadn't pointed it out. Uh, because, uh, you know, modern technology, man, it can fix everything. So, But I just wanted to let you guys know, because this is the straight talk. Uh, so, great panel, great fun. And honestly, I didn't even matter, because I had amazing 
panelists on this thing with me. Ricky Zero from Radio Cult, Michael Gordon from New Legend, New Legend Productions, Sean Reed, the Rad Ranger. You guys know him. You guys love him. Uh, Carlos, who was one of the vendors at the convention. And then finally, uh, one of the audience members that actually did bring some toys to talk about, who tells a fantastic story uh, that you'll have to tune in, uh, hang in there to listen to. So that's all I've got for today. Everything is coming up Millhouse as far as I'm concerned. I got up this morning. I went in to the doctor. First one, first one there for blood work. They sucked some blood out of my arm. I went and walked. I did my three miles in 45 minutes, which I feel it's important to, to indicate the pace because the walking is really kind of all I do, but I feel like that's a solid pace for somebody of my, uh, stature. I think that's not bad. And I did, I ran a little bit today. I did a little bit of running. Not a lot, just a little bit. I, a song came on, Superhero by Faith No More came on the headphones. And I was like, ooh, go, 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 yeah, ooh. And I did that for probably like a minute, if that. But it's something. I'm getting back on track. I'm getting healthier again. I, I have realized I need my diet once again needs to be taken a look at, but I feel great today because I got up early. I accomplished things right now. As I speak, it is one thirty. I've been up since seven o'clock this morning and I've gotten so much stuff done. I wish every day could be like this. I, I do. I, I, I would be a millionaire by this point. I would own a media empire, but the empire is just going to take a little bit longer to build. Since Ricky Zero was a guest on the panel, I'm going to throw you guys just a little bit of radio cult for you to enjoy, and then we're going to go straight into some awesome toy stories from Joe Lanta and the Great Atlanta Toy Convention 2016. Enjoy. Uh, Ricky, 
Do you want yes. to start us off? Uh, I will. I will start us off. Um, now, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a toy story, like a story from our childhood or past. Right. About it's, a it's something toy. related to a specific toy, a memory about it, how you got it, or something you went through with it. Just something that makes a toy special to you. Now, my, and we were supposed to bring a toy along with us, but my toy story involves a toy that I was never able to acquire. We're all going to be in tears by the end of this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting us off with a bummer in for that. <laughs> but keep in mind, it is me. It's a funny story. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so since, since we're at Joe Lana, I'm going to tell a story about a G.I. Joe toy uh, from, from my childhood. Um, as a kid, I came along late for the, uh, the 12-inch G.I. Joes, the 1-6 scale stuff. But I was familiar with their existence, just seeing other kids in the neighborhood who were older or... Uh, the parents of kids who had gone away to college having these G.I. Joes around, but I'd never played with any, I'd never like held one or examined it closely. And uh, I lived near a lake and I was fishing one day and there was another kid in my neighborhood who was also fishing. And for his tackle box, he had a G.I. Joe footlocker. And I thought that that was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. And even though I was just a little kid, I was starting to learn what the word covet meant. <laughs> and uh, so this kid has this G.I. Joe footlocker filled with fishing lures. And um, we're sitting there fishing and, you know, we we're not there together. We were just both at the lake fishing. And I'd get up and walk a few feet closer and look at his, his G.I. Joe footlocker and, you know, fish for a while and walk a little closer and look at the footlocker and, and I said, hey, uh, what is that that you're putting all your fishing lure in? And he said, oh, it's uh, it's this box that you, you put toys in and uh, and apparently fishing lure. Um, although the, the image at the top of the box that shows what you put in there clearly has no fishing lure. So he was using it incorrectly. Um, <laughs> and I thought that it would be a really generous thing of me to offer to buy it from him and use it correctly uh, to store toys. So I, I said, uh, would you be willing to maybe sell your box of fishing lure? Uh, you can keep the fishing lure. I really don't like fishing. I don't even know why I'm here today. But I, <laughs> I see that you have this box and, and I would really like to buy it from you. And he said, nah, nah, I'm just gonna, just gonna keep this. So I sat there fishing for a little while longer and I said, well, I have this box that's actually a fishing lure box. It's actually a tackle box. It's filled with stuff that you're really supposed to use to fish with in its appropriate container. And, um, I am willing to give this entire box and all its contents to you for just the box that your fishing lures are in. Uh, and then I can put toys in there and everything will be okay because the toy box will be used for toys, the tackle box will be used for tackle, and all will be right with the world. Um, and he said, nah. <laughs> I'm kind of disharmonious evil. I know, right? <laughs> so uh, I said, <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable with the situation of you having all these fishing lures in a box that's clearly designed to hold guns, pants, helmets, uh, I believe binoculars, it, a wide variety of items, not including fishing lure. If, if this doesn't end with you grabbing it, <laughs> no one can have it. <laughs> Was he using guns and pants as fishing lures? He was not. <laughs> he was not. He was using uh, fishing lures oh, as fishing weird. lures. So this guy's I, got the whole universe confused. He does. He does. But I thought, you know, to make this right, I'm going to offer to give this kid my tackle box, all the lures inside, the money that I had originally offered for this box that's clearly supposed to hold toys, and my fishing rod, because as I said before, I don't even like fishing. I'm not sure why I'm down by this lake. <laughs> so I offered all of this to him, 
And I said, keep the fishing lure, keep your fishing rod, take my fishing rod, all of my fishing lure, the tackle box, and all of the money that I have on me at age 10. For that box that's clearly supposed to be holding toys and not your dirty fishing lure. You've got gunk in there. I'm pretty sure there is a fish in there at some point. But I'm still willing to take that off your hands. And he thought about it for a minute. And he looked at me and he said, nah, I'm just going to keep it. And I said, but it's not for fishing lure. And that's what you're using it for. Why? And he said, well, it was my brother's. And he went away to college. And uh, so I'm just kind of using it because, I mean, it was my brother's. And I, I really can't trade it with you because it was his. But he's disrespecting the memory of his brother. <laughs> <laughs> his dirty fishing junk in his G.I. Joe locker. Wait a minute, is he disrespecting? Well, is his brother dead? His <laughs> brother says he is at college memory. <laughs> If his brother's dead, you just became a horrible <laughs> His brother's fine. He's in college. He's dating a hot chick, apparently. I don't He's know. He's fine because he doesn't know what this little <laughs> And here I am, trying to remedy the situation. I had plans of how to get the fish smell out by leaving the box open. <laughs> Is, the, is, that kind of, is that a plan? Technically, <laughs> yes. At, at, at the age of 10, not only is it a plan, it's, it's a pretty good plan. I mean, I wasn't going to pour lake water in there. That, that could have been an option, you know. I wasn't going to submerge the entire box in the lake and shake it around and then turn it upside down. I was going to open it. probably did because he clearly disrespected the box. Well, the paper in the top was still intact, so he hadn't done it yet. But he will. But I could see it coming. <laughs> so once I realized that I, I I had made every offer I could at 10, I mean, I, I offered to give him everything I had in the world, everything. So I did not. I did not. I, I let him keep his fishing box, which was clearly intended for toys and had clearly been housing fishing lure and possibly a fish at some point. And I went home with my fishing rod and my tackle box and my tackle, which I no longer cared anything about because fishing was dead to me. And I decided that someday I was going to have a G.I. Joe footlocker and a G.I. Joe to go in it instead of fishing tackle. And so, thanks to Joe Lana, that dream has now become a reality. And I have my very own G.I. Joe footlocker, which has, to the best of my knowledge, never contained fishing lure, and from the judge of the smell, never contained a fish. And Ricky wisely did not bring it, because he knew I would throw a fish in at the set. <laughs> <laughs> Probably went all for the bottle, though. <laughs> So that that is my that is my story of the one that got away. Toy stories and the fish stories. We have a new panelist has joined us since we started. Sir, what is your name? My name is Carlos. Carlos Morrison. Carlos, thank you so much for coming out to the panel. I'm glad to have you here. And you have got an interesting piece of merchandise. Would you like to share your toy story? I would, and I'll do somewhat of a segue. It's it's very interesting that you know I would walk in on a conversation about footlockers because I think the GI Joe footlocker was a, 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 a means to an end for a lot of things. It housed marbles, it housed playing cards, and it was just one of those those items that you had that you just would put in, put things in other than just toys. And I can clearly remember, uh, for me, in addition to, you know, G.I. Joe's gear, that at the bottom there were, were, were some high wheels were um, some red lines. And, uh, you know, I think my, my, my love for American Muscle cars started with, with, with Hot Wheels. Now, again, big G.I. Joe guy, too. But, I, you know, I, had to, I wanted to start thinking, because I knew we'd have a lot of uh, people here talking about that as their favorite toy. And I was thinking, well, what's my, my next favorite toy? Again, you know, the, the Hot Wheels, the red liners, 
Uh, yeah, love for American muscle, but how, how about this for a contradiction? Uh, you know, all my cars are Japanese. <laughs> but, um, you know, many, many days, yes, in the backyard with Joe, but in the backyard, man, with that yellow track. And it was interesting to see a guy, you know, uh, holding a piece of the track because, you know, the, the track, like the, the footlocker, had served many purposes. Uh, it wasn't just a track. This guy who had one a day said, you know, I'm taking this home. Uh, to remind my father of all those whoopings that he got. <laughs> I can't remember my mom whooping me with that. I, I actually have a Hot Wheels track-shaped track <laughs> Since this is a daytime panel, yes. And so, you know, um, just racing cars in the backyard with, with, with friends, um, you know, the the... The powerhouse was one that I really remember was one where it was accessory and you know you shoot the cars and you, you crank it on and it, it would run these two roller pieces through it and shoot the cars around to keep it going and you could do it where you could have a dual powerhouse and, and race your friends but it was it was it was just a you know I guess that whole time period you know, sort of parallel you know the, the real life muscle cars. And uh, that was good. The Sizzlers, I came to a little late. I had them, but I could never get the damn Sizzlers to stay on the orange track. You really needed the fat track, the black one, to, to keep it, to keep them on. Mine would never ever stay, so they were always hopping and flying off. Um, but the cool thing about the Sizzlers is that you can run them on the floor. You know, you, you know, you power. That's what this was. This was a juice machine. You stick it in the back. You got your four batteries there. You power up that little battery in it, and away you go. And um, you know, a, a few went up under the, uh, the refrigerator. They went up This gone forever. You know, out of sight, out of mind. And I clearly remember the chopper. I did have a chopper one that uh, my aunt uh, got rest her soul when I went to Dallas when I was little. She she bought it for me, and I remember just riding it. You know, juicing it up and, and running it all over uh, her patio. But uh, yeah, the Hot Wheels, in addition to the Joes, was was a big one, and clearly for for a lot of people here. And so that's my story, sir. I'm sticking to it. Thanks a lot, Carlos. I appreciate that. Now we can find you out there in the dealer room, correct? Yeah. So where are you? Yeah, I'm in the dealer room on the side there with all the toys. Everybody else, remember when? Come check me out here before you go. Right. Very cool. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, I'm going to go ahead uh, with mine because I'm kind of afraid this guy's just going to bust out of here. How many of you remember? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes. And in the '80s, gross-out toys were a big, big deal because not only were they fantastic toys, but they made our parents very uncomfortable. Uh, my mom, in particular, was not a fan of things like Mad Balls, mm. things like, oh, I should open these up. Oh, yeah, bad planning here. I can't believe you're not calling me. I'm just making notes here. Garbage Tail Kids. Garbage Yeah. And, of course, our buddy here, the Boglin. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with Boglins, <laughs> they were designed by a man named Timothy Clark, who you can go back and listen to a past episode of the Needless Things podcast. I interviewed him on the show. He designed these puppet-like uh, creatures with articulation, not just in the eyes and the mouth, but their little eyebrows move around and everything. And uh, he also designed the sectars. And worked on a number of Jim Henson films okay. like Dark Crystal. He designed a lot of the creatures in Dark Crystal. So Timothy Clark, dum dum, uh, went to Mattel and said, "Hey, let's make some puppet toys." And Mattel's like, "Those look gross. Those look like they will make parents uncomfortable. Let's put them in a box and sell them." <laughs> so my mom was very resistant to this kind of thing because she was under the impression that if she let me have mad balls and garbage pill kids and bog ones that I might grow up and turn into some kind of weirdo. <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> How very prescient. <laughs> turn, it, turn into or look like them. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> uh, so... 
there was a fight every time we went to the toy store. Now, G.I. Joe was my, G.I. Joe, real American hero, was my big thing. I loved G.I. Joe, and my dad was in the military, uh, active at the time, so G.I. Joe was a very easy sell for him, uh, the early Joe, anyway, once they started flying off into space and turning into, you know, mutants and stuff. Maybe dad wasn't so keen on that, but, uh, G.I. Joe was it, just trying to stick me with G.I. Joe, you know, let's do it one thing, you can, you know, yes, we're fighting a lot, but that's it. Every time I went to the toy store, though, Lionel Playworld, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, which, personally, I prefer to Toys R Us, but, you know, the economy does what it does. Toys R Us, Ridgeway, uh, you go to the toy aisle, and my poor mother, every time we went to the toy aisle, we had the 80s gross-out toys, and I would beg her for a mat ball or whatever, the, you know, whatever it may be. And now that I'm a parent of an eight-year-old who has inherited both mine and my wife's incredible stubbornness and persistence, I have a lot of sympathy for my poor mother and now understand why she did eventually break down and allow me to purchase a bottle. Now, this isn't, this is the same toy, but it's not like literally the same one I had when I was a kid because this stuff, if you don't take care of it, it deteriorates, and kids don't take care of things. Uh, but she finally broke down, and this Boglin was the gateway, as it were, to the garbage pail kids and the mad balls and everything else. Because, oh, poor parents. Any, any of you in the room, parents? You know, as soon as you give that one little bit of slack, just everything starts going, well, you let me have that so I can have that now, right? And my poor mother uh, let me buy all kinds of great stuff, but nothing was ever as cool as the Boglin because it's not just a ball or a card or whatever. I mean, this is a toy. A lot of love and crafting went into this guy. Uh, he's got a great texture to him. It's one of the standout toys of the 80s because not only is it just an incredible incredibly designed piece. Uh, it's also not tied to a license. And I love my licensed toys, don't get me wrong. But this kind of thing had me sitting on the floor, you know, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Creating, you know, had me developing different talents that I would go on to not make any money from. <laughs> but certainly use later in life. So actually, uh, I will say two points for you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyway, I love this guy. I love the 80s, man. The, the toys are like nothing else we've ever gotten. And uh, the, the battle against mom to have gross toys is, uh, that's my toy story. Mm-hmm. Nice. Another you know, you for that on YouTube. Oh, yes. I've Literally, like, two days before I came down here, someone had shared it on Facebook. And I was like, oh, because I've got the little yeah, but like, did you know that? Yeah, the, they, had, they also had ones that were just smaller and with just a simple mouth movement. You could like bug the eyes. Right, and I ended up with two of those. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I haven't seen that commercial in years. You with that gourmet on Yeah, definitely Google uh, the name Timothy. Clark. It's Clark. Timothy Clark. Google Timothy Clark. That's the last time you're saying it. Thank goodness. Uh, the guy that designed these and check him out and get some of his work. He's, yeah, he's done amazing stuff. My favorite part of that was the box being caged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is back then so much more effort went into every aspect of toys. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a different time. So, Mr. Mike Gordon from New Legend Productions. Okay. Do you have a toy story? I have a, well, I have a toy. Wait, wait, wait. Say the word. Say the word. Howdy. There we go. All right. You may begin. Thank you. Um, if this is kind of a carryover. I don't know how many people were here for our panel yesterday, but we talked about uh, Star Wars collecting. And, uh, you know, 1977, little movie came out, blew our minds. Um, and But there were no toys for it right away. Um, I did not uh, participate in the, I didn't even know about the certificate in 77 that you could get for the, the uh, first wave of the uh, Kenner toys in 78, uh, but obviously we all wanted desperately uh, something to do with Star Wars. And so uh, since the Kenner figures were not finished yet, uh, my parents got me... <laughs> The Knight of Dark 
Darkness. Yes. Yeah, you guys know him? Yeah. yeah. Two of him. Two? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, did you have to trade for a tackle box? Too? I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, they made a Night of Darkness footlocker. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> the, uh, the cool thing about Night of Darkness is, and, you know, obviously, even uh, at my age, I realized that this was not Darth Vader. Uh, my parents did not. Uh, <laughs> uh, I knew that Star Team was not Star Wars. Uh, my parents did not. Um, this is the only Star Team figure I have. I think there's uh, four or five of them. Yeah. They can robot. There's two robots. Two robots. And there's a guy on a motorcycle. Yeah, some sort of cosmic yeah rocket or something. They have those space. space. Yeah, space cycles. Um, I think they call him Luke Solo. <laughs> Luke Solo, right? Um, uh, what was cool about uh, the Night of Darkness? He didn't know you have a proper name. It's just sort of a title. But uh, what was cool about him was this was before I knew that there was going to be a wave of the Kenner figures, which were a lot going to be a lot smaller, and that was going to change my collecting. Uh, I had grown up with uh, the first uh, one I had. I had a adventure bearded GI Joe, and my first guy. I had a big Jim. I had a six million dollar man, Steve Austin. Um, problem with those guys: no villains, none. So in walks finally after like five, four or five years, the Night of Darkness. Uh, it's a it's a one on three, <laughs> but he held his own. Uh, not only did he hold his own against those guys for a few years, but even when I started collecting the Kenner ones, uh, I used him in in a lot of adventive uh, stories as the uh, big, tall, powerful, giant uh, bad guy. Um, he has gone through a lot. In fact, uh, kind of like you, this is not the original that I have. I was going to ask. Uh, I still have the original. It's up in Massachusetts where I, my parents still live. Uh, he's in some pretty rough shape. In fact, I think he's missing a boot um, for whatever reason. So I acquired this guy uh, a few months ago. because you didn't have a, a, a footlocker to keep his shoes That's on. true. If only. <laughs> I didn't know many people who got kids who uh, fish though. So I was uh, um, yeah, there's the, no fishing in Massachusetts. Oh, no. I hear the fishing kids are pretty selfish. <laughs> <laughs> the brothers. So, uh, so yeah, I still think he. You know, obviously he's not Darth Vader, but he's got his own charm. I, I just realized uh, actually a little while ago that there was a one-shot comic, promotional comic that was done for Star Team, yeah. uh, written by Archie Goodwin with art by David Cochran. Oh my God! Yeah, by Marvel. Yeah. Wow! What? So, I, 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 but then hedging their bets in case they didn't get the Star Wars license. <laughs> we might not get that thing, but the Star Team thing could be huge. I also, uh, I also found out uh, doing a little research on this guy that uh, Luke, uh, Lucas and Fox uh, tried to sue Idol. Idol yeah. Toys for the light yeah. for using that license, and uh, they lost uh, because. Even though my parents couldn't tell the difference, <laughs> apparently a jury could. <laughs> <laughs> the entire line, except for the Night of Darkness name, there's a... The Star Team prominent had been around for a while, right? All the names had been used previously by ideal yes. properties, and in fact, that body is Captain Action. Captain Action body had a Flash Gordon gun. Uh, which I do not have. So if anybody knows anybody in that room, in the, one of those dealer rooms that has a one of the Flash Gordon pistols, that I could go with him. The was the J.J. Arms bodies reused with a new chest piece molded in gold. Wow. And the robots were zeroed, some of whom had the top One of those robots was very close to R2. I mean, you even like used that, him as sort a, of power. That was zeroing from the sixties. Yeah, you even you know, they, they left his head off, so he just. I think you even powered off. him to use like one of the vehicles was used yeah. him as to, to that, pilot. That, that was also a zeroing toy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that practice carried on into the nineties of reversing all lines because they get the robot to the line cobbled together on the motorcycle. This guy was a kid action, and he had an evil evil motorcycle, so he's too big for it. That's one of the reasons why they. Ideal was able to get their stuff out before Kenner could. Um, so yes, they did uh, take. I mean, I would imagine a lot of kids back then probably had one of the 
piece because just to tie him over until the the real just to shut you up until we get until the real Star Wars stories <laughs> game. And we all knew, except our parents didn't know, but we all knew. And uh, we, uh, you know, I still like the guy. So I, I would say that's better than having a Darth Vader because you can go anywhere in the world by a Darth Vader right now. How many people have you hush your mouth? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> those are actually a scarce point. I do a visual game for a podcast. So many people bought those. They cannibalize the body. They're the hair cap in action. Oh, really? So they want to cap in action up there. The skin's like, I, I, this was the first time I'd ever, like, not had a, like, you know, like, had the, the, the black, the, the black toy, you know? Right. Like, I didn't, like, I, that, because all my others, you know, were not, so. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting too, but. But yeah, actually, I, I up until I developed an appreciation for him, I probably went through about four or five and get arms and legs for kind of action. Yeah, wow. Canada. No. Well, you know, I mean, look, I mean, he was. Anybody's father? That's my I don't think. Well, the rest of the line did. Yeah, the rest of the line had like the one kid, flyer. and the rest of them were robots. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, and I don't even know like. I'd have to get the comic to know his story, so I don't. Anakin Skywalker was also the father of a robot, technically. <laughs> right? Yeah, he built it's been done. We try not to talk about that. So, well, Mike, thank you very much. That guy is awesome. I dig him. Mm-hmm. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Gordon. <laughs> and now, amongst the panelists, we had Martin in the room briefly. Is he still over here? No, no. Well, maybe Mark will be back. In the meantime, please give it up for Mr. Sean Reed, who has a story I can't imagine what you're going to talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about vintage G.I. Joe. You, you would do well to do that. Yeah. Uh, actually, right now, because the glasses are on, I'm the Rad Ranger. Rad Ranger in the house, here to present. It's like Superman and Clark Kent, Sean. Red Ranger, Sean, Red Ranger. Everybody understand that? Good? All right. Silence. Crickets from over here. This is why nobody would throw sweetest fish every time I'm funny. Uh, so my toy stories, actually, I'll just go ahead and put this out there. I'm way too old to be into Power Rangers. He is very old. When, when uh, I, well, unless I lived in Japan where... Power Rangers and Sentai have been around since the mid-70s when I was born. I but, thought you meant, unless you lived in Japan, where it doesn't matter how old you are. You right, well, this is true. You can still be into Power Rangers, right, because uh, that's a thing. Um, but, uh, so yeah, Power Rangers hit American Shores uh, 92, 93, which is when I graduated high school and was starting college, and should be way too old for toys, and, well, that wasn't the case. Um, I was leaving home uh, thankfully, to go to college and was super excited and it just meant freedom. And I happened to see Power Rangers and I basically never gave up being a kid. I, I, I held on to it, you know, with a, like a pit bull to a new toy. Um, and uh, so when I went away to college and I discovered the, the whole Power Rangers thing, I grew up watching Kaiju like all good kids do. And um, also was from the Saved by the Bell 902 and 0 generation, and then Power Rangers came on and it meshed the two, and I was like, this is the most amazing television I've ever seen in my life. It's like Godzilla meets Zach Morris. Awesome. I love this. I have never heard that comparison before, but you are absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. So it like was taking all of my fandoms, and like most college kids, I was probably in the middle of an identity crisis. I'm arguably still in the middle of an identity crisis as dead Demonstrated by the whole classes. Um, I can't relate. No. no, no. So uh, college meant freedom. Finally, I was I could do what I wanted. I could make my decisions. I didn't have my parents telling me like, "Why are you still buying toys? You're you know you're not a kid anymore. Stop doing that." Um, and I was able to take my mother's. Um, sadness as the first child moving out of the house and manipulate that into convincing her. She's like, well, I'll buy you whatever you want for your dorm. Sweet. That means Power Ranger bed sheets. Uh, so, so, and I'm not kidding. My dorm, my side of the dorm room, 
and I still contend I was the cool roommate. Uh, <laughs> I had Power Ranger bed sheets, Power Ranger pillowcase. I uh, had gone out. I used to, uh, my first year of college, I went to a local community college because I was only 17 when I graduated high school. Um, and it was hell getting out of my parents' house. Uh, so I would skip class and go to a comic book store down in Stone Mountain Village. And they were one of the few places that actually had this size Power Rangers in stock. I thought the, rad, the Red Ranger was the coolest, so I naturally bought. Uh, so this is an original uh, Red Ranger, just the, the normal figure. This is the kicking action uh, karate. Um, and I love these. Red Ranger. Do what? Rockets, Red Ranger. Yes, exactly. Uh, I and I was blown away when I when these toys came out because like there are a million points of articulation. You know, there's like elbow turning and raising and the knees turn. And I was like, wow, these things are super poseable, more so than a lot of the toys that were out at the time. And the, the scale was really awesome, and the box packaging was really cool. And I clearly was in love with the show, so I was like, well, I'm going to get a bunch of those, and then I'm going to set those up in the room, and I'm going to have the Power Ranger bed sheets. And then uh, when you go to, I don't know if they do this at other colleges, but at University of Georgia, they put your name on the door. It's so weird. It's kind of like kindergarten. We're like, here's your cubby. Uh, <laughs> so they put your name on the door, and I was like, well, this is ridiculous and dumb. And, and clearly you were far beyond kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> clearly I was above having a cubby with my Power Ranger bed sheets. <laughs> so... <laughs> they didn't just do that for you? <laughs> they might have. They might have. This kid's a little... We're going to have to help him find his room. His mommy and daddy aren't here. Uh, so I took my name down, flipped it over, drew this symbol on it, and wrote Red Ranger in, like, rock lettering. You know, it was like Death Leopard-style font. Red Ranger. <laughs> Made some friends. Uh, Shockingly. <laughs> He says that. The friends I made went to high school with him. Uh, we, we had, uh, to, to really quickly sideline, we had a mutual acquaintance. Uh, we, we didn't meet we had mutual really acquaintance. until last year. Yeah. Uh, we had a mutual acquaintance that when I would go visit her up in Athens, would always refer to her friend Ranger. <laughs> and my thought was... What kind of jackass <laughs> just calls himself Ranger? <laughs> but, but, but that's not what the case was. You were dubbed Ranger. I was dubbed that's Ranger. Yeah. They just started referring to you, but I never got that part of the story until a year ago. So I've spent the last 20 years <laughs> Yo, who is this some Ranger jackass who's into like bow hunting or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the random jackass part. <laughs> So yeah, so in college, I put this thing up, I make some friends uh, down that lived on the other hall that were also into toys and into silly things and into anime, and they saw my Power Ranger thing, and they went like, you're cool, and you went to a school that's in the same county, because uh, they went to um, a neighboring school, and they're like, we're, we're going to hang out, and so... Um, it just became a thing. They knew my real name was Sean, but they just started calling me the Red Ranger. Um, and then it just stuck. Uh, and then because we're college and we're lazy, it just got shortened to Ranger. Um, and that was actually Ranger Zero, spelled with an X, uh, was my email address at the University of Georgia for most of my student career. Uh, Ranger became just sort of an online handle because it just fit, because the internet was brand new and you would go in the chat rooms and stuff. Uh, and I was like, yeah, Ranger, that works. I need a, I need a nickname. So, uh, for the entirety of my college career, and in some instances, a mutual friend of ours just realized, um, three years ago that my name wasn't actually Ranger on my birth certificate. And I was like, no, Carly, my real name is Sean. Oh God, I thought your name This whole time I was like, that's just weird. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then it was, like I said, interesting. Phantom and I had been moving in these sort of concentric circles. He knew friends of mine from high school. I knew friends of his from high school. We had never actually met each other. Then we met last year, and I introduced myself to Sean. He's like, oh, yeah, cool, nice to meet you. And then I said, yeah, I'm also known as Ranger. Oh, holy hell, I know who you are. I've been, I've been hearing about you for years. And, uh, yeah, so to this day, so these are the same Rangers that I had that I took with me to college. I also brought this along because to show the depth of my Power Rangers fandom. This is Power Rangers soap. 
from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers has something to do with Dare. I don't know. I didn't buy this. This was bought for me by one of my roommate's mothers because my fandom was so strong and it was so clear that I was in your poker. Clearly didn't learn the shower. Have you, are you gonna, are you gonna use that soap? Uh, actually, no, I didn't care because her son uh, was like didn't clean his dishes, so it's like, that's fine. Uh, and actually, I'm still friends with this guy today, and we laugh because this soap is older than his children. Uh, this soap I got when we moved into an apartment in downtown Athens, probably 1997. So that makes this damn near 20 year old soap. And now I just am gonna always keep it like this because I feel like it, like this can't actually be soap Not anymore because like it surely has turned into something else and I think it could survive the Holocaust. You might could use it to clean out a bad tackle box. I was even trying to take not, it on an airplane. No, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah. TSA is not letting this on board, and it's probably one of the few things that I've actually kept in the box because I am an unboxer. Like toys are meant to be taken out of the box, posed, played with, put on shelves, etc. And um, and but this was just so fun. I was like, uh, I'm keeping this. And when I was married trying to explain to my wife why I had 20-year-old Power Ranger soap and I'm not throwing it away was a really interesting discussion. My <laughs> wife's divorce? Yes, uh, literally. So, uh, but I don't think it's soap. Right. Thanks for bringing us down, Gary. what I do. We thought Ricky's story was going to end in tears. Uh, <laughs> no, you see, she got the, she got the tackle box in the divorce. Well, right, but I had the soap. And that's all that matters. Uh, so yeah, so that's 20-year-old Power Ranger soap and the original Power Rangers. And I recently found out that Austin St. John, who played this guy, will be a Dragon Con. And I have offered Gary and Joe all of the monies that I have, which is like... I've got a tackle box. Okay. Um, and, right. Uh, so I'm going to give you that in order to be able to work the panel with Austin St. John. So I can be like, hey, you guys gave me my nickname and identity. And now uh, the Ranger name had kind of retired until we started working. I uh, started working with Phantom on the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. And uh, I decided to, we needed a name. And so I brought back the, the Ranger nickname. And now I'm the Rad Ranger at Dragon Con, and I walk around with kids' glasses and a hipster Power Ranger t-shirt and call that a thing. And we can thank Joe Lanta for bringing weirdness and people together. Probably. I have so many. Uh, our panelists have shared some cool stories, but... Uh, what I was hoping for, is there anybody in the audience that has a toy with them that they would like to share a uh, story about? I do. Bring it on up. Actually, there's two of them. Uh, well, first, to the crowd, share your name. Uh, Lee Harrell, uh, from Charleston, West Virginia. It's not my fault. It's <laughs> 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 not my fault my parents ended up there. Um, but no, in a 1978, uh, I was four years old, and um, I got really, I got really taken by this TV show where this sweet, gentle little guy always tried to help people out, and then something would always occur, like a bunch of guys, well, you can't do that, and they'd beat up on him, and he would beg him, please, don't do this, you don't know what you're doing, stop, and they'd throw him down on the ground, you'd hear this uh, uh, just demonic sound, his eyes would open up. These green pits in the centers of his eyes would ignite. The clothes would rip and this giant hulking creature would come out roaring and smashing and tearing crap up. Well, that was all it was for me. (laughs) Very much like probably a lot of you, I was horribly bullied as a kid. Because, you know, I wasn't the typical kid in school, you know. I didn't run with the pack. And they tend to like to pick on people like that. And mostly I got picked on because I was a Spider-Man fan. Which is fine with me because this little guy and me have been through, pardon my French, hell and back. From sea, from sea to shining sea, at north and south. I mean, he, I don't travel without him. He also, if you, all that, like we were talking about toy stories, he would be the Woody of my toy room. He is pretty much the boss of the toys. 
He sits at the head of my bed. He is surrounded by just monstrously newer, better toys, but he can still get dressed. <laughs> one of the coolest things about him is I lost him for like 15 years. Oh gosh. Right in a place where I knew he was. And I reached to get him and he was gone and had been gone. Well, a series of unfortunate events led to me and my mom getting our house demolished in uh, 2006. And I freaked out. I was like, i got to find him. I've got to find him. And I reached up underneath that desk one more time. And right exactly where he wasn't, but where he was, he just magically appeared. That and ever since then, he and I have been inseparable. And I don't call him Hulk. I call him Hulky. <laughs> because he is clearly his own person. So this is literally the same Yes, Hulk. yes. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, he, um, I can even tell you some of the wounds on him and things like that. I mean, he's taken some beating. And I don't know if you know who uh, uh, Paul Clark is, uh, Doc Mia. Uh, he actually handheld it, and he almost beat uh, Eisner Wardmenter, uh, Art Balthazar's uh, Jonah Hex custom in a Mego race. Not kidding, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and Doc Mego was actually holding it, and he said, when did you get this? I was like, 78. Where did you get it? Kmart, about a quarter of a mile from my house, and he looked at me and he said, this is a 74 Hulk. Because most of the time, there is a impurity in the paint that made them fall apart. And if you're older folks, you know, here like me, you probably remember some of them hanging on shelves. But see, we didn't get Toys R Us in Westford in Charleston until the 90s. I'm surprised we ended up with internet when we did. <laughs> but like, um, there were whole rows from what Doc Nigo said of hulks that were 10 years old hanging on the shelves that were just broken and falling apart. And he said, you've not altered this at all? No. He said, you could drop a bomb on this thing and it probably would hurt the bomb before it would fall. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this thing is built like a tank. 1974, it's probably, it's, it's my prized possession. The other piece now, this is the creepy one. And this, and this is like, I had to bring him up into the matter. The, the disappearing, reappearing Hulk is not the green Hulk. <laughs> no, oh my God. no, this one, this one, I almost would refer to him as Stormbringer. Oh, in wow. a sense. Uh, you all Thank you for bringing him today. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember in the story of Elric when he finally first got Stormbringer and he threw it off the dragon's back. And when he races home, the sword is sitting on his front door. It beat him home. When my teenage years, actually I'm getting ahead of myself. When I was about seven or eight, I, got, I had this. I walked around with my cat gun, annoying the Christ out of my father. And he told me, he was like, you keep on doing that, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna break your heart. Pop, 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 and he just calmly takes it from me, goes outside, chucks it out the back door. And I lose it. So about six hours passes, my whole family is out digging for this figure. Cannot find it. I go and I lay down, crying myself to sleep. You know, come on, I'm seven years old, leave me alone. I wake up the next day, and sitting on my table, just like that, smiling bigger as you, breathe, as you please. I come in for breakfast, sit down, and my dad's like, what? I said I told you not to go outside and look for that figure, and my mom's like, I didn't. My sister, they wake her up because she had, like, I had to get up earlier than she did school thing. They drug her out of bed. Why did you go get his figure like we told you not to do? I don't know what you're talking about. Strangely enough, he just, I, I can't explain it. And my dad never brought it up again. He was just like, yeah, keep that damn thing away from me. <laughs> well, let's fast forward the clock so many years later, and I, I, I misplaced it in my house. And we were going to visit my father's grave because he passed away in 89. And the Marvel vs. DC stuff that happened. And a bunch of my friends were DC fans. Mm, make my Marvel, sorry. If the Hulk was DC, I would have been DC. 
And they were like, oh, Superman and Hulk. I said, it's not contest. Hulk and pound him to the ground. You know, so when the sun gets brighter, Superman don't get stronger. But when Hulk gets madder, Hulk gets stronger. I win. And, you know, it, it was awesome. Well, I was cleaning out this place like two days after the argument. And a box hits me in the head, and lo and behold, there he is. Like, where the hell have you been? So like, that's awesome. Well, I went out partying with some friends again. I was in my teen, you know, early 20s. And we all know how kids are when they're trustees of modern chemistry. We have a few, and we lose a few. And I happened to have this uh, flannel shirt, and I had him tucked in my pocket. Because I was showing, my, showing him off to my friends. And I got to uh, having an involuntary personal protein spill, as uh, George Carlin would refer to it as. <laughs> and I watched him in slow motion go tink, 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 down into the gutter. Drunken me. No! No! And my friends are not leak. It's gone. No! It was like Frodo watching the, uh, what's he say? Uh, flying fools. Well, Gandalf, go off the cliff, you know. No! Again, fast forward that clock, crying myself to sleep just like I did when I was seven. He was gone forever. The next day, I'm just disgusted. Not just because of the hangover, but I lost a friend, you know? How would you feel? I lost a friend. This kid I have not seen since grade school was standing out front of my house. Got him curse. Hey! You still live here? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? Damn this thing, man. I was I was down in the sewer. You know, I worked for the, the city sanitation. And I was showing this guy the ropes. <coughs> Do you know what I found out in the sewer, man? He started laughing, and out of his work shirt, he pulls him out. And he went, he said, it's got the chip on his butt where when you were, you were screaming down the hallway and your mom busted your butt, it fell and his butt chipped on the concrete. She had matching. And yeah, and he went, he said his knuckle was burnt from where you put him on one of the rings on the oven to see if he was stronger than the heat. saw the toy, he's like, that's Lee Harris, baby. <laughs> he's like, I bet he is beside himself or something is wrong. He would never go without that figure. So once again, you have a Hulk that be gone and has come back to you. That we, is the same one. We've, uh, we have run out of time, but thank you so much. <laughs> RadioCult.com. Red Ranger. Twitter, Torch Code Lab, and every first and third Saturday in Porterdale, Georgia for PCW Wrestling. And Carlos, we can find you out in the dealer room. You have an online presence to put over. No, I'm working on that right now. That's probably for the best. Bad, bad place. Guys, thank you so much for coming out to Crew Stories and coming out to Joe Lanza. Please go back out to the dealer room and spend some money with these guys. So that turned out to be great. I think I was a little harder on myself than I needed to be if I hadn't said anything about maybe not being on point. Maybe you guys wouldn't have noticed, but everybody else, wow, what a crew that was. Mike, Ricky, Sean, Carlos, and Lee, fantastic stories, great time. Really, I I had fun listening to this one again, and I I don't always listen to these things all the way through because I just don't have the time uh, every single time, but this one I sat down and listened to those stories again, and they're all good. I'm, I'm very happy with how this one turned out, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. If you did, 
please go and like Needless Things on Facebook. Join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group. Uh, you can download the show on iTunes and on Stitcher, and you can find it at needlessthingssite.com. We're five days out of the week. We have original, new content, pop culture commentary from talented individuals. The Needless Things are regulars, I like to call them. We do things like movie reviews, commentary on television shows, toy reviews, all kinds of different stuff. It's all original, and it's all... Uh, n- none of that. Here's... Uh, a list of Twitter things. Let's run down them now. We don't do that unless it's in reference to something that we wrote. So check that out as well. Spread the word. We need your help. Let the people know about needless things. And when you're done listening to this, it may not be March the 16th anymore, but it is still 316. So when you're done... Sit down, have yourself a Steve Weiser, and watch a Stone Cold Steve Austin match. And that's the bottom line. Because I love you guys. <laughs>